Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 204. And on this episode, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a, at least for a little while, a few new things. Uh, 204 episodes, that's a lot of talking. And and I what I thought I'd do that might be interesting to some people is take a problem or an issue that has been brought to me or that I've been involved with and just kind of talk through the approach to to uh, go to work on it. And again, I'll always say, I'm not saying this is how you do it. I am the end all and be all of everything. I can tell you how to solve all problems. I can't. But what I will do is tell you uh, my response to these things and things that I've done to encounter these. So at least if nothing else, it gives you maybe a slightly different perspective or different way to look at things. But the problem with with the dog, and it was a, a retriever, a competitive retriever, hunt test dog, and a good dog, um, and the the person and their own, and the dog had a very very strong connection. You know, they had that's that's really nice to have because it's not well, it's good and bad, <laughs> but but it's really nice because you already have your communication and you have your way of, and so it's it's you're more comfortable approaching stuff but usually something in that relationship is what caused the problem and here's the part where you've got to be really honest with yourself and that's really kind of the title of this particular problem and that is the importance of um, honesty in training your animal and I don't know again on that one how much people think about that but before you can even do that, you've got to be really honest with yourself, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what your approach is, kind of evaluate it a little bit. If if being good or better than you are right now is important, man, you got to do that. I guarantee the top shelf trainers in the country do that frequently. If you already have all the answers and already know everything, you are on the downhill slope accelerating. Um, you only get better or stay even where you are, if you're questioning yourself and things you're doing fairly routinely. So this one is about, because ultimately, as I was discussing this with them, it, it came down to honesty. So the symptoms of the problem, which is almost always what it is, the symptoms that were described was, and this is running, um, I believe it was running blind retrieves. That is retrieves when they're sent and they they didn't see anything to which they're being sent, like a marked retrieve, the dog would, would poke out and kind of, you know, not take off like everybody everybody likes the style stuff. It would, it would take out and he'd have to uh, encourage it or do whatever. And, and, and he didn't know why the dog was that way. You know, so the problem was taking off kind of pokey without a lot of confidence and stuff like that. And he wanted to know what to do. And I can imagine, I can just imagine, what the advice had been, you know, you need to force them, you need to whatever, do all this stuff. So what I did when talking to him is I said, well, tell me, you know, tell, I got him to tell me what he does with the dog. And that's hard to get people to tell you because sometimes when you train by yourself, you're doing something kind of goofy or you just kind of come up with something or you just do it your way and you don't really want to tell everybody about it. You're happy with it. Works good. And it's even worse when you get advice from multiple sources, multiple sources, uh, because we all have uh, 
sometimes very different ways of doing things. And so if you, I tell them one thing, oh, this is what you need to do. And then somebody who does something very differently tells them the other, you know, and he's not an experienced person. He's going, hmm, well, I like him more, so I'll do it. That's just no way, folks, no way, in my opinion, to go about getting good at this. And I've been doing it a long time, and I started from zero, like everybody else, and years and years, and I'm still learning stuff, years and years of being told all kinds of things by people that I respected and looked up to and had made field champions and done really great things, but, and they're telling me to do stuff, and my, kind of my gut is just going, I don't know. And I can't tell you why I didn't feel good. It just didn't feel good. So I have been through so much of that self-doubt and questioning, and I should listen to them. They've done more than, way more than I've done. They know more than I know, and, you know, or they have this reputation, and so they, they have to be right, right? And ultimately, in my own world of coming into dog training, far from perfect, still much to learn and, and all that, ultimately, I, I came to ways of approaching this and looking at this and believing in, in this the very, very same way that I look at everything else in the world and the way that I look at myself and the way I, what I demand of myself. And let's bring in the honesty now. <clears throat> so when this guy was telling me what he does and had been advised to do, and one of the things that he had said in this particular problem was, is he reruns blinds, <laughs> which, uh, you know, in my world, no, don't do that pattern blinds if you have pattern blinds and that's how I transitioned from the the T over to teaching them about being out somewhere and going after something with blinds that they know I have three right out my back door basically I have three of them short medium and long and it's very long and it's there where they learn go on back stop on the whistle when I give you a left back turn left and go back and they learn up to be handled and they learn about this and then you move on to cold blinds so pattern blinds and there's not just one you have multiple ones so you go this way and then you go that way and then you go that way so you just you basically acquaint them not you don't do it so much that they become accustomed to always going back to the same place that you we don't want that but you use it to 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 get momentum and to get confidence and to understand being handled and sometimes to deal with factors like wind and whatnot, or if they're having trouble with the left back cast, you know, you can work on it a little bit there. So you do these things. <clears throat> a pattern blind is not running a blind four times or doing your pile work in a bunch of different places because that teaches you is go on one thing, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I, that's boring. And after the first time or two, I don't, they're not really learning anything other than that, go again. And it, it's not, there's nothing that becomes increasingly exciting about it or rewarding to them. They're just doing it. So he had done uh, some of that with the dog and then had also on some, I guess, other kind of known blinds or pattern blinds had been sent on, on one and then halfway out stopped and handled over to another blind. Now, I know that that's in books, and a lot of people do that. I, I always refer to it as Etch-a-Sketch um, because now it's like, it's really like, probably most people listening to this don't even know what that is, but it's like you have this little dial, and you have it going to the north, 
and then we change it and we have it going to the west and then we go back to the north again and we get it where we want and we draw the little straight lines uh, to get this thing to where we want it. And if you're really good, you can do both knobs and kind of get a little bit of an angle thing there, but we're just moving this single spot around on this, on this plane. And that's how people, when you send them over here and then whoop, no, go over here and you kind of etch a sketch them. We're just moving this dog around a little bit. That's how we're just moving it around. Okay, go this way, now go this way, now do this. And in doing that with this dog, in my, in my opinion, in doing that with these dogs, and if you do it very much, what are they to think when you go up to the line to send them somewhere, not a marked retrieve, but a blind retrieve, where, what are they to do? What are they to think? Now they're a mindless robot, then they just set the direction you, you tell them, and then they just go the direction you go. But they're not that. These are creatures that are doing something that we hope very much that they love and that they have a big passion about. And we are trying to build their skill level and their confidence. Because the more skill and the more confidence they have, the better they do the job and the more stylish they look and the more fun they are having. That's a fact. They're living things with canine emotions. And they have hearts and they try. Particularly those dogs that some of us have that really, really, really try. It's just their nature to really try. And so, you know, they kind of just give you their heart when they're, when they're doing this. And to, to a degree, most dogs have some element, if not a whole lot of that, to them. And so here comes the, the part of honesty. And you can probably kind of guess what I'm saying. But if I were a dog, or if I were a human, um, and you said something to me, I really, really want to believe it. I want you to have dug down and been as authentic as you could be in telling me the truth, right? If you said, all right, the bakery is one mile to the north, I'm hoping it's pretty much a mile somewhere north, right? Otherwise, you're just jack jacking with me. And that means you don't have a lot of respect for me, right? That means you don't understand how much going to the bakery meant to me. And so I deflate. And I also don't like you that much. And I s firmly believe that when we do f funny stuff with dogs, like what we were describing here, he sets him down and he faces him straight in front of him, tells him to go. There's a lot of things implied in the training that we've done up to that point. There's a lot of things implied. Like when you're facing down this, this green patch here, there's something at the end of this green patch. I promise you, there's something there. When I face you there and tell you to go and you haven't seen it, I want you to trust me and I want you to give everything you have to going out there to get it. And that is a thing of trust. And our early work, at least how you do it the way that I know, our early work is built on that. I'm facing you that way. I'm telling you to back, go back. You have to go. You have to go. I'm going to condition you and teach you. When I say back, you have to go. That's what I'm asking of you. And in return, I'm going to make sure that I'm sending you towards something that's real. Now, if you, you know, curve off or something, I'm going to stop you, cast you directly back at where I had sent you. 
So not one signal I ever give you conflicts with another signal that I've given you. So if I were in discussing arguing this with somebody, I'd say, well, you, when you tell them to go and then you stop them, that's conflicting. That's true. That's very true. I have to teach them to do that, though, so that when we are going after a bird floating down the river, that I can send them and then stop them and say, got to change your direction a little bit because it's right over there. Um, so I have to teach them, go and stop. I have to develop those tools. And after that... Once you have those tools in place, then every time you blow that sit whistle, and those of you that run blinds and sometimes have the, uh, what do you call it, you know, the bouncing back and forth sideways problem, scalloping. When I send you and I stop you after we have all the tools firmly in place, when I stop you as a dog, I'm telling you, wrong, I need you to change direction. Not a lot, not the edge sketch stuff, but I need you to change direction. That's why I don't let you go too far wrong. So that, because as, as you're going wrong, 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 and I let you go, I'm telling you that's okay. So once you get the tools, you got to kind of narrow that down. Otherwise, they think they're running over there toward the big yellow tree. And then you stop them and you cast them 90 degrees over to something else or 45 degrees. And they're going, oh, okay. And then you just kill the picture on them. But so when you're stopping them, you're telling them, okay, wrong, wrong. You need to change direction. So when a dog is going where you sent them and you stop them, you're going to have a very hard time getting them back, unless it's on a pattern blind, getting them back to where they were originally going because you had said wrong by stopping them. This is the level of communication the dog is receiving. I don't know how many people understand their side of it, but when you blow that whistle on literally a cold blind, they're going, oh, wrong, okay, if you've built the foundation right. And they will alter their direction. Unless they don't trust you at all and they're used to being cast all over the place, in which case I don't know what they're going to do. And they don't either because it's always different. It's not consistent, honest communication. But anyway, go back to this guy. So what he had done is they'd send him out on one blind that he knew, stop him. And then cast him over to another one that might be 45 degrees another direction. Right? And cast him over to that one to develop control. Right? So now I have a lot of control over this dog. He won't think. He'll just do what I say. And obviously that's true. However, how much conviction will that dog develop after that happens several times when you send him out? They're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I might be going all the way out that way, might not. You, they might as well not form a picture, which is something I think they do when they look out. And they, this is one that's trained a little bit, right? They look out and they, they get an idea in their head and you can see it. Ah, I'm going here. That's, that's what, especially the good ones, that's what they do. So when you start telling them, never mind, don't even bother looking at a picture because I might just totally change you to another one. And so they quit doing the picture thing. The picture thing is when they start to get a lot of style and confidence because they go, I know where I'm going. I'm heading out there towards that big dark thing or the whatever. they how Whatever it is they look at and see, that's where they're going. And then you stop them and cast them some other way. Pretty soon they stop looking out for that thing because who knows. 
And people who handle blinds where they do do the etch-a-sketch, they let the dog, the dog goes off, they stop them, they handle them with a direct over a 90 degree back to the original line and then get them back. That's etch-a-sketching. So when the dog is headed out and then you cast it 90 degrees, that's the biggest momentum killer in the world. What you'll find with people who train with the trust and momentum thing is if they give a little bit of an overcast somewhere, that dog's going to take a little bit of an over and then roll on back. So that's why a lot of people, don't people when the dog is just past the blind and you give them an over, they're not coming in <laughs> unless you taught them to come in on an over. They're going to take a little bit of an over and then book it on further. So, but that means you have to understand what the dog is receiving informationally from you both from your fundamental uh, basics that you built to get them to handle and then how you handle them. And all the time you're communicating with them. This is a dialogue going on between you and, and the dog the entire time. And if you are consistent and can be trusted and always are giving them the same signal all the time, it's, that's the way you're going. Oh, a little bit off, man, here. You get a slight angle, get back on over there. Then those are the, you can just run those hummers and they and they're, they love it and they're running hard because they believe in everything you say and do. They know you are doing your best to get them to where they want to get. And they're obeying all the rules and going and stopping that we taught them and how to take casts. So I strongly believe that this dog takes off on a blind. One, because they're, normally they're boring because you might be going out there eight more times or three more times. So, you know, it's like, here we go. Nobody gets excited about here we go. Or you might send me out this way and then just cast me somewhere else entirely. So I don't know what's happening. I can't get a picture. I can't begin to master this situation for myself because you just change everything all the time or you just do it over and over and it's boring. They have no mastery, no sense of being able to master this and do it and, and, and do it with some style and some passion and some fun because of all the little lies that we tell them. But we don't really think about that very much. And that comes into play in many, many, many um, of our dog problems that we have, and we don't always look at it that way. But we tell them little lies because they're just dogs and we're trying to get a certain behavior out of them. Instead of putting yourself in the, in the place of that animal, and who pay, if you're training them right, they pay attention to what you're doing and what you're telling them to do. And when it's inconsistent in terms of how they look at it, when it's inconsistent, it is deflating to them, just as it would be to you. And so the honesty to a dog is, um, many times it's gotten me through the last series of a, of a really hard test. It, and the dog didn't, you know, they might be running um, a water blind that's a little over their head for where they are. Done this many times. They, it, this over their head. If they knew the picture, they'd look at it and go, oh, golly, how <laughs> I can do this? But they don't, they just go on, oh, I'm pointed this way, I got to go. You know, and then they go. And if I stop them, they're going to change their direction a little bit because that's the only thing that stopping means is I need a little bit, a little bit, little bit different, not a huge change in direction. I, I'm, you know, most of the dogs that I've trained when they're up there, if I stopped them and then just gave them an over, they're, they're going to kind of roll over and then back because they're going, there's no way I'm going some other place entirely because we never knew that 
do that. They don't even know what that is. So they always believe. And, and once they get a lot of confidence, I can get pretty technical and tight on my adjustments to them because they trust. So inconsistency in what we communicate, that's a hard thing to, uh, because every mistake is yours. And again, nobody, nobody likes that. Let's get corrections on the dog. And most of the time we need corrections on the handler, not because they're doing anything purposely wrong or it, they just are unaware of all the things they're communicating to their dog. So in that case, I, I you know, I could be wrong, but I just said I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever run the same thing 10 times. We're off the tee now. You're way off the tee. You know, we're not doing that anymore. So, you know, your blinds should be cold blinds, except on that dog, I would set up pattern blinds and like three or four of them and get that momentum back. Hey, I'm not even going to stop you. Just run out there, longest one, 300 yards. Run out there full speed and run on back until they start going, yeah, this is fun. I forgot, <laughs> or maybe they never knew, that it's fun to run like heck out there and straight out there and come back and kind of get that momentum built up again. And then don't ever etch-a-sketch them. Don't ever lie to them again um, about what you're doing on that. And that, in my opinion and in my experience, when, when you lie to dogs that way, and it is a lie. I mean, you may think that they should be robots and just do whatever you tell them. But when that happens to them, it's deflating because they never know. You know, they can't give it 100% because you might change your mind in the middle of the blind and cast them 90 degrees some other direction. So why even get excited about it? Because I don't know. I might be all over the place. And it's a very, very deflating thing. So to undo uh, mistrust is a slower process than, uh, than undoing trust. And you have to go back to fairly straightforward, simple things, not running to the back pile 50 times unless you have to go back that far. But to go on this particular thing, do pattern lines. On marks, you know, if you've had marks that are hard or you handle every time the dog can't find something so they don't even try to mark something because they've been deflated, then go back to easier marks, bird laying out in the open. You know, it was something that the, that the easiest place to get to is where it is. And go back and get the dog to thinking, whoa, I am just going to look for the bird. I'm not just going to wait for the whistle because I can't. I'm not sure where it is. And as soon as I'm out of the area, they're handling me. I don't know what's happening. This is no fun. They deflate. And then you have dogs that are not very much fun to run marks. And the dogs would just probably soon not do it anyway. So... You can, you can deflate these dogs by, um, you know, taking, treating them just like they're a mindless robot instead of treating them like they're individuals that are trying and trying. And if you overwhelm them, then back it off and get their belief in you and what you're doing and what you're asking built up. That's, that's a pretty important deal. Now I'm going to use the trust thing in one more example with another person and dog that I've encountered with. And, and I had trained the dog for this person. And I don't, I, I, my theory in, in interacting with animals, eh, frankly, people too, but is if I say something, I mean it and it's serious and I'm not going to say it eight times. And I, it, I even did my kids that way. And no, and I wasn't someone, and I never hit them and they weren't punished and all that stuff. But it was like, if I say, no, we're not going to do that, that's what that means. 
And so with dogs, if I say sit, that's what that means, right? Or here, that's what it means. And there's a, uh, and what this guy would do, a wonderful, wonderful individual. And, and the dog was, one of those is like training a drop of water on a hot skillet. Man, it's hard to just get that dog just to sit and breathe. He's just very, very amped up. So his approach on that dog was always, if he wanted him to sit, was to say, sit, 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 sit. And I know a lot of people do that in hopes of, you say it over and over, they'll associate, and pretty soon they'll sit. <laughs> that is not what they're doing. <laughs> you just kind of have a little bit of low background noise that sounds, you know, that has an S sound at the, at the beginning and a T sound at the end. But it's just a bunch of noise because there is no action demanded, required, associated with it. You're waiting for them to come up with the association. And what they come up with is whatever you do when you're making this constant noise. So if you're standing there waiting and you're making the noise, then they're looking around to see if there's something more interesting to do. However, if you teach the dog that when I say sit, you sit. If I say whoa, you stand there. If I say here, come to me, etc. You teach them that that's what that word means. And then when you say that word, again, this is an honesty and a trust thing. When you say it and you mean it, then they know that they need to sit when you say that. And of course, you teach them you mean it by enforcing it when you say it. Sit, boom, bottom goes down. You have control of that when you're teaching. Make sure their bottom goes down. And then from that point forward, that's your standard. So never give a command you're not prepared to enforce. That's dog training 101. And make sure that they understand that. So here's this dog I trained, and he's over there with eight sits. And the dog's not sitting. And, I, and the reason is because he, he, this was noise. It wasn't a command that was expected and was going to be enforced. So he was communicating his wishes, his hopes, and as opposed to me when I trained the dog saying, hey, sit means drop it. And so, especially you guys with puppies that, you know, want to create associations. They're going to associate the treat jar with getting a treat. That they can do. But if you just expect to say a command over and over and over and eventually they're going to create this wonderful response, uh, pretty much doesn't happen. And so, when you're, you're given a command that you're not enforcing, that you're not requiring that they do, again, you're not being honest. You're not saying, this is what I need you to do. You're saying, wow, I really wish you'd sit. And then they don't. And so, you yeah, know, I really wish you'd sit. I, golly, I wish you'd sit. I don't want to have them make you sit. I don't like this stuff, but sit. I wish you'd sit. And that's what they're hearing. And so what are they to do with that? Are they going to now believe every time you say something, it's going to be important? Nope. Um, and you're teaching them, as a matter of fact, when I say stuff, look for something more interesting because I'm just going to kind of nag you about it. And, and this was happening out in the upland field when he would say, whoa, just constantly. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> over and over, over. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> That means woe means nothing. Once again, you're just telling him what you wish he'd do. And that means you don't have to do it. And so then he won't do it. <laughs> and it, on the simplest obedience things, honesty with your dog is that important. 
Don't put all the onus on them to figure out what you want and then take it upon themselves to do it. These are dogs. Even kids don't always do that. So dogs, you show them. When I say this, this is what it means. And whenever I say it, you can trust me that I mean it, and I'm going to ask you to do it. And I'll always be consistent, and I won't get my mad voice on so you know you have to be serious. I'm just going to tell you what I'd like you to do, and then I just need you to do it. And if you train them that way, then you never have to be screaming and yelling or get the serious voice. It's like with your kids. If you teach kids that unless I'm screaming, don't pay any attention to me, they won't. And dogs are that good too. You know, they won't pay any attention until, boy, when I hear that, then he's going to enforce, so I better do it now. So instead, don't lie to them about your intentions or your seriousness. Be really consistent so they know, oh, sit, sit, got to sit down. It's really that simple. And I, I think that very often, you know, I'm going to get one more and then I'll let everybody go. I've been on her a long time. The, the use of the word no, which is uh, just everywhere. It's just ubiquitous in everybody's interactions with their dogs. And that's one of the most misused words in the world. Matter of fact, it could just about be eliminated and everyone would be ahead. Because, and I'll give another example, a retriever example. When people are teaching their dogs to hold a bumper, right? They're just, and that's, for some dogs, that's an ask in the world. And it's really hard, and they put it in there, and then the dog drops it, and they say no. And so I always, and they, you know, if they don't sit, or they heal ahead, or they tell them no. And I, I'll always, if you do that to a dog, if you're telling them no. Now, if they're going to, no, I just on anything. If you're going to tell them that, what are they to do? What are they to do with that? They just spit out the bumper and you said no. No what? Do you think they go, no, do not spit the bumper out. Next time, hold on to it. You're not supposed to do that. Not what they do. They spit out the bumper because they don't like holding it and they haven't been taught well enough yet. And when you say no, they know you're, they don't, they really don't know anything. They're, maybe you're mad, maybe not, whatever. It does nothing. All you're doing is spitting out the thought in your head. They do not go, oh, I should not do that. They're pulling ahead on the leash and you say no. Oh, no, I'm pulling ahead. I shouldn't have tension on this. I need to back up until there's no more tension on the leash and then I'll be fine. Anybody out there ever had that work? No, because no is not an actionable item. You have to give dogs actionable items. So when you yell no, again, this is not honest. That's just what your thoughts are. It has nothing to do with what they can do. So now you're just making kind of scary noise or loud noise or noise that is sometimes associated with negative things if they got caught on the counter, right? So when I de-chase a dog, I don't have a no bird command. I know a lot of people do. I don't have that. I just enforce here and you enforce here two, three times. They don't chase birds anymore. I don't have a no because it's not no birds. Yes, birds. You are all about birds, but you don't go to get them till I send you. That's all. So no doesn't fit into that. So that way, I'm never lying to them. If they want to chase a bird, I call them to me and enforce it. They can do that. They can come to me. I gave them an actionable item. You do that a couple times and it stops the chase. 
But screaming no does not stop the chase. It just means you're mad and they don't know what to do. And you expect them to under create an association between no means don't go after the bird that you love more than anything. That's not an actionable item. So honesty in dog training, I will say, is an area, a, sp a spot in which we create a large number of big training problems. There's a lot of symptoms for this phenomena. There's the, the pokey blind, right? There's the dog that chases stuff or the dog that doesn't take your obedience seriously or any of that. And, it, and you think it's the dog. And what it is is that dog ha cannot trust what you are saying and doing because you have clearly shown them they cannot. And if you can break your training down wherever you are at whatever level, if you're having issues and stuff, somewhere along the lines there is going to be something where you're, you never let them clearly understand the expectation and, and what they had to do. They, and you never gave them a way to master it themselves. And you can only, they can only master things if you give them actionable items to, to, to do. Otherwise, they can't. So, uh, and, and one more example of that, just on blind retrieves. You know, those big old slow sits everybody hates. Well, when you let them do a slow sit early, like on the tee, and, you know, and then you just kind of, well, that's good. We'll just keep going. That, and that's not too good. Then you've taught them for three months that you, you can kind of loop three, six feet around, whatever, and sit down. I'm good. And then suddenly you're with a training group where that's terrible. So now you're getting after them, right, for a quicker sit. I mean, you lied to them. You lied to them, and now you're kind of beating them up for it. You're putting on pressure they have never had before. And what are they supposed to do? Instantly create the association? Oh, I need to sit faster. That's all. I've never had, I don't even know what sit faster is because I've never had to do it. But all of a sudden, I'm supposed to. And he's, I'm just supposed to figure this out. That's your lying to your dog. It's unfair, and then they take all the heat, and you are the problem. By not having been clear and concise from the very beginning, communicating exactly what it is that you wanted. So be careful when you have those guys and you're trying to fix it. You need to go all the way back to obedience on the leash with a sit whistle and build up slowly so they understand. You have to reteach re what you didn't teach to begin with. And that is that short neural path between hearing a whistle and dropping their bottom. So it all comes down to evaluating honestly what it is you're communicating with them and making sure, in my opinion, that it is what you want to have. And like I said, there have been a lot of dogs. I would say subpar talents that I've gotten through four-time and master hunter hunt test type stuff just because they would do anything I asked. Wouldn't do it for anybody else. You know, but because we had such a strong trust between us, and I said, man, just get in that last little piece of water right there. Okay. We just had that trust thing, and that, that's gotten me a lot of places I wouldn't have gotten without it. So just an offering to everybody on some troubleshooting and some problems and just some stuff to think about. And maybe next week I'll, I'll take some more that I've gotten that are different from that and, and talk to people. So warm summer for everybody. Stay hydrated, stay safe, keep your dogs cool. Um, check the inside of their ears if they're red. Man, stop whatever you're doing. Be real cautious about everything and uh, 
I'll be back week, next week and wish everybody luck with all the, the national and all the things that are going on right now. We will be back soon.